to save the world, Laurie observed, with more than a hint of sarcasm. That's right, muttered Ben, and if we reach the core before daily, well, so much the better. Talk about the short straw, grumbled Jennifer Chen as she scrambled deeper beneath the earth, the roughly hewn tunnel showing no sign of coming to an end. Ben and Laurie get to Absail, Callie and Eddie get the sea approach, and what do we get? The chance to crawl on our bellies all the way to the complex. She paused briefly to sweep the hair from her eyes. How come we always get the short straw? Jake Daly, keeping close behind Jennifer, said nothing, though the expression beneath his tangled mop of black hair suggested that he had a good idea. He forced Stanton's smug face from his mind. Concentrate on the mission, he reminded himself. Only the mission matters. I just hope some of Stromfeld's goons get in my way, Jennifer warned darkly. I've got a lot of tension I need to work off. Jake frowned. Forget it. We need to access the core as quickly and quietly as possible. We don't want any diversions. Says you. Me, I say what's a mission without the chance to break some faces. Hey, Jake! Jennifer stopped, wrapped her fist on the surface in front of her. The sound rang metallically. We're in! Jake allowed himself a grim kind of grin, nothing too elaborate or emotional. They'd reached the fringe of Stromfeld's headquarters, as the steel plating of the tunnel now testified, but there was a long way to go yet. They slithered across the polished metal plates. The light improved as they neared the main body of the complex, allowing Jake a rather explicit view of his partner's rear as she wriggled her way forward. Jake was relieved that Eddie was not in his position at this particular moment. Jennifer paused again, this time because she couldn't go any further. A wire grill blocked the intruder's path. She coiled back on herself and hissed to Jake, "'Where is this supposed to lead again?' "'An empty storeroom,' he supplied. "'According to the blueprints.' "'Then send the blueprints back,' Jennifer whispered. "'And make that a very occupied storeroom.' she indicated with her thumb. Jake peered through the grill. A guard, uniformed and helmeted in black, and, more worryingly, equipped with a large and probably well-serviced laser rifle, was settling himself down on a packing case. They hadn't planned for this. One problem at a time, Jake reminded himself. Take nothing for granted. What's he doing? Jennifer mouthed. By way of answer, the guard eased off his helmet and felt in his pocket, drawing out a packet of cigarettes and a lighter. Unscheduled work break, chuckled Jake. Naughty boy. Well, we've only got to wait, sit quietly and... You can forget that, scoffed Jennifer. I'm out of here. Wait! Jennifer didn't. Her feet smashed into the grill, sent it spinning across the storeroom and slamming into the far wall. The guard choked on the first drag of his cigarette, struggled to stand, groped for his gun. He wasn't quick enough. 
Jennifer dropped lithely from the vent, smiled at the gape of astonishment on the man's face, then lashed out with her right leg, pivoting on her hip. The kick struck the guard squarely on the side of the head. With a faint groan, he clattered to the floor. He didn't get up. Somebody should have told you, Jennifer tutted. Smoking's bad for your health. They dragged the dinghy up onto the shingle and over to where the angle of a lurching rock would hide it, then crouched in the shadow of the same rock to take stock. Eddie Nelligan didn't look good, his naturally reddish complexion tinged with green. Water, he moaned, should be strictly reserved for washing with. That's not an ocean, it's nature's way of making you throw up. Why can't we have missions to nice, sunny, tropical islands in the middle of nice, calm, flat seas? What's the fascination with wonky tides in the middle of the night? Eddie, prompted Callie Cross, do the words let's keep and moving mean anything to you? I mean, it's not asking for much, is it? Look at the Bond movies. An island like Dr. Nose wouldn't be too bad, would it? Great beach, bit of a waterfall, a few palm trees. There's got to be an island like that owned by a full-time nutter somewhere, hasn't there? Why can't they send us there? And if they could throw in Halle Berry as well, that'd sure increase my motivation. Frager'll just have to put up with me, said Callie. And as for a motivation, if you don't get moving now... I'm going to be motivating you by squeezing somewhere that hurts. Callie, drooled Eddie, do you know how long I've waited for you to say that? But he got to his feet and followed his partner just the same. They moved as smoothly and silently as they could across the craggy scrap of shore that spilled out of the cave. Callie glanced up at the cliff, wondering how the other pairs were faring in their joint mission. Returning her gaze to the mouth of the cave, much closer now, she wondered whether they too were finding further progress barred by Stromfeld's men. There were two of them, armed and looking as alert as could reasonably be expected of somebody on guard duty at midnight. We could try and creep past, she suggested to Eddie. I don't do creeping, he returned. It makes me feel like I've got something to hide. Besides, I bet these guys have been working really hard and could do with a bit of a rest. And I think we can help them with that. Sleep shot. Sleep shot. You want the one on the right or the left? In unison, Eddie and Callie raised their right arms. Starlight glittered on shiny metal wristbands. They lowered their hands and pointed their wrists at their respective targets. With a hardly audible... Fit. Tiny twin projectiles spat into the darkness. The countless hours of practice paid off. The sleep-shot shells buried themselves in the guard's bare cheeks. They drilled into the skin, immediately releasing a powerful anaesthetic into the bloodstream. Neither man would wake before dawn. Nighty-night, crooned Eddie. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Hey, Eddie, said Callie, exasperatedly, before you start breaking into bedtime stories, 
We've got work to do, remember? Eddie eyed the forbidding-looking cave and the cliff piled high above it. How could I forget, he said. I hope Stromfield's got an elevator. These corridors all look the same, groaned Laurie in frustration. Do you reckon Stromfeld bought them all in one big job lot at a corridor sale somewhere? Don't you pay attention in psychology, Laurie, Ben grunted. It's the mentality of the megalomaniac. Studies have shown that would-be rulers of the world are almost always deeply obsessive and can't tolerate change. That's why they want to impose their will on the rest of us. Keeping every area of his complex identical is Stromfeld's way of proving he's in control and can dictate even the appearance of the environment. That's another A-grade essay in the making there, Ben, Laurie said. But even if you're right, that's not much good to us. Unless Stromfeld's put up signposts, we still haven't got a clue which way to go to the core. Laurie had a point. She and Ben had penetrated Stromfeld's underground headquarters easily enough, taking the crude tunnel from the cliffside to a little-used section of the complex. But since then, they'd spent a good twenty minutes wandering an apparently inexhaustible supply of featureless metal corridors. And when you were working to a deadline, a serious deadline, that was not good. At least they hadn't encountered any of Stromfeld's goons yet, though Laurie was beginning to hope that they might run into one soon, if only to ask directions. Ben was frowning. He tended to take even the slightest note of criticism personally. OK, so they hadn't quite made the progress he'd expected, but he'd put money on the others being first.